It's been a little bit of a a little bit of a break since the last Steve Laidlaw podcast, and certainly a, a bit of a break since we've had uh, our guest today, Alex McLean, on the show. Uh, we're pleased to be joined by him again with uh, the latest news in NHL's return to play. We we have a format. Alex, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks, Steve. Things are all good on your end? Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, I just spent the last week as the incident commander of uh, a large fire uh, in my district, the wildfire management, uh, my, my day job. And that was all encompassing for like my last week. So I wasn't really paying attention to sports. I was barely paying attention to COVID stuff other than following the, like the rules and regulations that we have set out for us. Um, but it was like, it was a really nice break from the, everything that's kind of swirling in the world, like come back from this and we've got, we've got hockey news that's positive, but then like, I don't know, maybe the whole world is burning at the same time. And it's, it, I don't know, it's super interesting diving back into it after having had a week away from everything and just having a problem that I knew I could solve and being able to solve that problem so it, it was super engaging to be just completely away from everything and focused on a task for a week straight of just like total focus on that thing yeah it's good to hear you were keeping busy and able to do something positive with the time hopefully everything turned out okay uh with the fire in the end yeah nice to be able to come back to i guess some positive news that we can discuss here i think that's what we're going for yeah we're, we're gonna stick to the positive and uh the, the the sports news that's positive because uh everything else I, I think everyone everyone's looking for a reprieve from that stuff and and yeah it was uh it was a job well done by everyone working on that fire we were able to contain it and uh and get around it and now that's uh you know, it's, it's not quite out yet, but uh, everyone has what they need to continue monitoring and uh, make sure that we have it out to ensure the, the public safety and uh, protecting our, our natural resources. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into uh, kind of the, the hockey news. Um, before we really touch on that stuff, did you see the... Uh, the boys are back in town uh promotion video from the tampa bay lightning i have not but i think uh now that you mention it i might have to check it out as soon as we're done yeah it's it's fairly entertaining i i was struck by andre vasilevsky's arms and the fact <laughs> that they might be bigger than my legs which is probably why he's the only guy in the video uh, who doesn't have sleeves on his shirt? Sounds interesting. And then, yeah. yeah, and then like after that came out, uh, Anthony Stewart he he revealed to the to the world or or re-revealed to the world the uh, the revelation that is the Panthers, uh, they had a promo video back in the early to mid aughts with uh, Ole Jokinen transforming from a big cat 
into a mute, emotionless human who gets the gang back together, all to the tune of uh, a progressive rock cover of In the Air Tonight. That sounds excellent. Yeah, that was the exact type of unintentional comedy that I needed in my life. I didn't know that I needed it, but it turns out I needed it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know I needed it either, but now I want it. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a little bit of homework. You're going to have to dive in and watch those videos because they're pretty, pretty darn hilarious. Um, I'll do my best. So to the format, um, we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago of our preference kind of more for the, the divisional hubs and uh, some, some kind of formatting that makes it uh, difficult for the teams who had very low playoff odds to actually be able to get into the playoffs. It sounds like teams didn't want to come back if they didn't have a, a legitimate shot at the playoffs. So they ended up going with two conferences. They're going to be played in two hubs and you got 12 teams, one through 12 seating and five plays 12, yada, yada, yada. So um, the top four teams, they're going to play a round robin to determine the top four teams seating just so that they get some games in so they aren't, aren't showing up to the playoffs completely rusty and it gives them kind of something to play for while everyone else has got to play a best of five to get in uh, to the actual playoffs. So where did you fall on this? Uh, what, what are your kind of your, your pros and cons, likes, dislikes, Alex? I think uh, as we mentioned before, there's no perfect answer to any of this. I think this is the one that keeps it simple, which in and of itself is probably a good way to go. Uh, there's some flaws to it in terms of uh, the regular season, meaning a lot less and playoff percentages versus uh, draft lottery odd percentages that have definitely fluctuated. But uh, if they were going to go with the 24 team format, this keeps it simple and it's not uh, too bad all in all. I think I would have liked to see something that still staggered the odds a little bit in favor of the teams that were ahead in the standings or the 20 team tournament where you don't see Montreal and Chicago, but uh, it is what we have. And if it's what ends up getting hockey back on the ice, then I'm still going to be happy to watch it. So. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Cons, but... I, I'm ultimately, I'm excited that we've got a format. I think that, uh, like you mentioned, Montreal and Chicago, they go from like having a like three or one percent or whatever the the statistical odds were, like very very low percent chance of making it into the final sixteen, and then it, it jumps up to like almost fifty percent. So you're talking like a a fifty fold, twenty five fold increase in their their chances of moving on. Um, which is huge. And then on the flip side of that, their, their uh, play-in opponents, Edmonton and Pittsburgh, are going from a near 100% chance of being one of the top 16 teams to now they're, they're clo close to a coin flip, right? And you can mm -hmm. see that as well with, uh, with Arizona and even the New York Rangers um, as other teams who 
maybe didn't have that great of a chance. So, I mean, you could have like maybe you with the, with the way that they formatted it, because they're not going with divisions, they're going with conferences. You could have taken any number of teams divisible by two and gone with that format instead, right? So you could have had 22 teams and then lopped off Montreal and Chicago, who, who basically had, like that was the most stark leverage point, right? Like Edmonton mm -hmm. and Pittsburgh were basically locked into the playoffs and those teams were basically locked out. So you could have lopped them off, but then you're also losing major markets. And at the end of the day, like everyone wants to come back because they love hockey and they want to play and they want to declare a champion. That's the ultimate goal in hockey. But there, there's also huge financial interest in this. And if you can get to excellent markets in there who you could argue still had a realistic chance of making the playoffs, then you want to put them in there for financial reasons. And you can't put them in there without them having a realistic chance. So I get how this came about, even if it's a little bit like slapping some makeup on a pig. Yeah. Yeah, and they do end up having uh, maybe not a 50-50 chance as they are probably the underdog in both of their series, but uh, they've definitely got a chance at this point. And it'll be interesting to see if one of them does move on uh, what the fallout from that ends up being in terms of uh, I'm just thinking fan reaction and everybody getting up in arms about it. But I guess in the end, that's all it is, is you're going to have one fan base angry and you can't make them all happy. So might as well uh, get some extra games out of it and get uh, some extra teams in to make some money and keeps it at least somewhat uh, even with the teams that were at least somewhat statistically still in the playoff race. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like, like I mean, I've been going on about Edmonton and Pittsburgh because those are the teams who probably mm -hmm. get hooped the most by this setup, but like Connor McDavid was on the return to play committee. So like ultimately like he had, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm assuming he had a huge part in this and the fact that he's not upset about the setup as it is or at least isn't publicly like he's he's mm -hmm. an excellent face for the nhl he's gonna he's gonna kind of toe the line pr pretty well so mm -hmm. like ultimately I, I can't be too upset if they get knocked out like already this season i came in with no expectations of seeing the oilers in the playoffs so the fact that they're in the mix at all is like this is this is all playing with house money at this point as an Edmonton fan. So, I mean, if they lose a best of five to Chicago, that's really going to suck uh, mm -hmm. to be honest, but it's, it, I don't know, like it's so much better than the past decade of being a fan of this team. So I'm, I'm fully prepared to have my heart ripped out after three to five games against the Blackhawks who they should be able to crush, but um they seemingly may not um yeah I, i'm prepared for that i'm emotionally prepared for that but um it's that suck is at least going to be earned rather than the suck that could be if they don't play a playoffs at all yeah 
Yeah, and it's it's good that they're playing mean, meaningful games. Uh, there's a lot more teams that I think are happy that they're at least given a chance. And Edmonton, uh, I don't know who they would end up lining up against uh, if they were to beat Chicago in the best of five. But uh, I definitely think that's reasonable. And they they're one of the teams that has some of the top talent to be able to go on a run if they were to be able to make it through. And as you said, with Connor McDavid probably not being too against it, they weren't one of the teams to vote against this format, uh, those two teams being Tampa Bay and Carolina. So I guess uh, Edmonton and Pittsburgh and everybody else were okay with it, at least to some extent. Yeah, what did you make of Carolina's proposal that their opponent, like their the the weaker opponent of, of the playoff matchups, should have to win four out of the five to win mm-hmm. the series. I I wasn't completely against it, as much as it uh, is very different from any kind of playoff series we've ever seen in sports. Uh, it would balance the percentages a bit to where they were prior to the season getting uh, canceled, but. Uh, in some other way, it just doesn't feel right to have a clean slate and then you have one team having to win four games where the other has to win two. On some level, it just doesn't seem right. Yeah, I think ultimately you'd have a really tough time explaining that to people, why that's fair, even mm-hmm. though, I mean, it does make some rational sense. We know that fandom isn't rational. Uh, where, where do you fall on, you know, the, the bracket format versus reseeding? Cause like you mentioned, you weren't sure who Edmonton's going to play. And that's cause we like, we don't even know whether they're going to go for, for the rigid bracket format where you kind of know exactly who, who comes up next for you versus reseeding. Right. I, I'm a fan of, uh, reseeding. I think it makes sense if you're going to have a, bottom uh, kind of Cinderella team, then they should have to run the gauntlet for it. If you're playing the whole regular season and you're the whatever higher team in the standings and then, oh, there's an upset and you end up having to play the second best team in the second round, then uh, it just seems like the regular season was a bit of a waste in that way. So I'm on the side of preferring reseeding I'm not completely against a bracket situation if that's what they end up going with and fine it is what it is you can lay out the teams and everybody knows who they're going to be up against moving forward possibly and you go from there it's it's not uh, a bad option either way I think I just lean slightly towards the preference of reseeding yeah I hate I hate the fucking bracket I absolutely (laughs) hate the bracket like what they've done the past few years with the playoffs, like forcing the divisional format and mm-hmm. you're trying to create these rivalries that are, would probably exist anyway. If like, you know what we got, we got San Jose Vegas and that's been fantastic. And it's like, these things are going to happen, but ultimately like you end up getting the best teams playing in round two instead of playing in round three. And that kind of yeah. sucks. Like, we want to see the better teams making it further in the playoffs. Sometimes it feels a little bit 
Like it, it's, it's unfair to the best teams. You play 82 games or this season you play 70 and you earn your spot as the number one seed. You should play the weaker opponents all the way through. Like what the hell is the point? We know home ice doesn't mean shit other than making money. So you got to have something else going for you. And I think being able to play what on paper is the weaker team, like certainly it, it didn't work out for Tampa Bay last year, but that doesn't mean that it wouldn't work out most of the time. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm just 1000% for reseeding. It worked just fine in the nineties when the, when we had it and, you know, forcing these rigid brackets forces these matchups that don't necessarily need to happen until the conference finals. Yeah, I, I agree. I know I've found the last few years going through the playoffs, you pay a lot more attention in the first round because there's hockey on every night. There's two games and at least that you can watch one at seven, one at 10 and you go through the whole evening that way. It's all great hockey. And then the second round usually has some excellent matchups and by the third round, you kind of almost check out a little bit and then check back in for the finals. I don't know if that's just me or the majority of uh, fans, just because of what you were talking about with uh, having a lot of the better matchups in the second round versus the third. And it just doesn't live up to kind of what you expect to be a better matchup uh, every successive round. But uh, I, I definitely felt that way going through the playoffs. That I check out a little bit for the conference finals. So if there was to be reseeding this year, then maybe you end up uh, fixing that a little bit and you kind of crescendo all the way to the finals. Yeah, I felt that as well. And I mean, you know, I talked about doing, doing my firefighter thing during the summer. And like mm-hmm. part, part of that is just the fact that by the time we get to the conference finals and and Stanley cup finals. I'm so busy with working in fire that, you know, sometimes I don't even get to check out any of those rounds. I remember my first year in fire being at a base camp in Alberta, watching game seven of the cup final on a TV outside of a trailer. And that was the uh, that was the Vancouver Boston final. So that was that was a huge deal. And that's where I watched. It. I didn't watch any of that series otherwise because it just wasn't available to me. Right. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. Now, um, one of the other reasons that teams wouldn't know who they're going to play coming up is because the top four seeds are going to be reseeded based on those round robin games. Do you think teams are going to go all out in, in those round robin games? And like, is anyone going to watch that other than the diehards from those fan bases? I mean, I'm not one of the fan bases for any of those eight teams, but if they're on TV, I'll watch them. Um, I take your point though. I don't think they're going to be the, to the same level because it's not do or die. They're going to be, getting back into game flow so they're going to want it to be competitive but I could see teams kind of ramping up the intensity for the second and third games the first game doesn't mean much the seeding for them probably doesn't mean all that much once you get into the playoffs uh, whether you're the first or the second or the third team we've seen it mean 
basically next to nothing. So for them, I don't think they have very much on the line at this point, other than just trying to make sure they're up to the intensity by the third game that the other teams will have played through for their play-in series. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's going to be all that high intensity. And I think it ends up like they could still lose their first round matchup or, you know, whatever they're calling it. Um, you know, the, those top four seeds, the Washington, St. Louis, those mm-hmm. guys, like they could, whoever comes out of the play in round, they could still lose that matchup. But if they do survive that first round, I think they're going to be so much fresher than a team that has to play the play in and then win an opening round by the second round. Like we've seen in the playoffs how beat up teams are after one or two rounds of the playoffs. That Mm -hmm. I think another reason why, you know, you kind of check out come the conference finals is these teams are just exhausted. And I think it's going to be even more palpable adding a a five uh, game play-in round to that factor. So I think that the teams that have that buy and are only playing round robin games and only mm-hmm. a maximum of three, they're going to be the right amount of fresh that come the second round of, of the, of the 16 team playoff. They're, they're going to be at a, a very distinct advantage. Mm-hmm. They only need 12 wins to make the cup or to win the cup this year. You could lose all three of the first uh, seeding games. And then as long as you win your next 12, then you're set. Well, I mean, th- they they still need to depending on how many games there are per series right like uh, the nhl still wants to do seven game series so you would still have right. to win 16 to win the cup but there are teams that are going to have to win 19. oh sorry yeah i, I my mental math was off there i oh. yeah we're good you're right yeah but like ultimately like there is there is that stark yeah. difference right so yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned that you'll tune in if there are games on, regardless of, of kind of the merit of them. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they're going to be rolling with a schedule uh, akin to March Madness, where there's games on at all times of the day, which I mean, like, can I book two months off work and just hook that directly into my veins? Uh, I would be on board uh, right beside you there. <laughs> it's not a vitamin drip it's a it's a playing round drip yeah we're gonna have to figure out how to get a tv outside so we can sit out on the uh out on the back deck and enjoy the summer and enjoy some uh hockey games through the day as well no doubt uh have you have you thought at all about the, the NHL is, they're not officially calling the play-in round, the playoffs. They, they kind of want it to exist in this weird limbo. I think it, mm-hmm. like Brian Burke was, was calling these trivia stats or whatever. Um, but I, I guess the NHL has, has ultimately come out and said that the play-in games will be included as playoff stats. So we've, we've kind of got an answer there, but I mean, Jamie Ben wants to know if he should start growing his playoff beard. <laughs> I, I hadn't actually heard that they were going to be including them as playoff stats. I had heard the opposite, actually. So uh, yeah, they they just released that, that as 
as a clarification, I guess, but they still aren't okay. calling them officially playoff games, but they will I include see. them in the, in the playoff stats. I, see. Um, I don't know. I've got a bet with a coworker about the Canucks making the playoffs this season. You know, if they do make it, I've got a Rocket Canucks bumper sticker all summer. So should I be slapping that piece of shit on right now? Or am I still in the clear? I think the intent was to still end up with 16 quote-unquote playoff teams. So I, I would say you're safe for now. I think uh, the real playoffs start once you're down to the final 16 teams there. But uh, I guess it's up to you and your friend at that point if you want to wait and see if Vancouver makes it through or just say, yeah, technically it is the playoffs at this point. So. I, I could see him trying to push you for that, but in my opinion, I think uh, you got to wait until they beat Minnesota or not, and that would conclude it. So I'm praying that the NHL backs off their stance that they that teams shouldn't be able to use ringers for this year's playoffs, even though like we saw last year, Kale McCarr being able to sign and then play immediately in the playoffs. Like I don't know why they're deciding to do that this year. But mm-hmm. the Minnesota Wild, they need Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that being a big X factor. Though, I don't know if he would have been available had the playoffs been at their normal time. And I think the way it makes the most sense is to kind of keep the teams as they were, as they would have been, uh, for the normal playoff uh, timeline. So I, I can understand not uh, having those kind of players available. But at the same time, I can definitely see your side of it of, yeah, the best players for every team should be available to play, whether they weren't for whatever reason up to that point in the season. If they're available to play at this point, then let them play. Well, yeah, they're like the NHL is an entertainment product, right? That's why mm-hmm. they're bringing Chicago and Montreal back into the playoffs. Right. So we should also be grabbing the best players in the world if they're available and like their rights are owned. It's just a matter of getting them signed to contracts, which they would have been able to do. Like he wouldn't have been able to sign until the end of April if he wanted to make the playoffs. But like, I don't know, Minnesota could have made the playoffs and then won around and then by May been able to add him fresh for their playoffs like it, it could have happened like it's it's not inconceivable and it yeah. just like these guys were there's so many guys like scott perunovich grigory denisenko alexander romanov like these guys are stars in other leagues at other levels mm-hmm. and they're going to be able to draw in fans of, of, of all levels of hockey from around the world so why as an entertainment product would you eliminate that possibility when you've already thrown concepts of of some idea of fairness out the window. Yeah, that's definitely a fair way to be looking at it. I guess as long as you don't have the draft early and have uh, somebody picking up uh, Marco Rossi or Alex Lafreniere or whoever else to jump into the lineup right away and help them out, then yeah, they were technically the team's property to begin with. So why not? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we talked about the... The Wild and Canucks, they've got a first-round matchup. Uh, which play-in-round matchup is most exciting for you? 
Uh, I would say the two, well, personally, I'm a fan of uh, Toronto and Nashville. So those are, uh, by my own bias, the ones I'm going to be paying the most attention to. But as a casual fan and without uh, too much favoritism on the other series, is I'd say the two of those that I'm looking forward to most are the Carolina New York Rangers and Calgary Winnipeg. I'd say Carolina New York is going to be very interesting with Carolina being the, one of the teams that voted against uh, this setup because that partially because they didn't want to play an even series against New York as New York was definitely one of the hotter teams uh, in the second half, especially with uh, Igor Shostyorkin uh, in net backstopping them. He's, he could be an X factor for a longer playoff run for a New York team. That's still early enough in a rebuild. And the Rangers won that, they swept the season series against the Hurricanes. They gave them mm-hmm. absolute fits. Like, they could not contain Panarin at all. They've got, like you mentioned, the way better goaltender. Like, all three goaltenders on the Rangers are probably better than what the Hurricanes are rolling with. Anybody on the Hurricanes. Right? Yeah. Yep. And yeah. they're probably Although... going to have Kreider healthy back. They've got mm-hmm. Zabanajad back. Like the the Rangers are dangerous. They're terrifying as an opponent. However, on the flip side, you end up having Carolina with a healthy defense core, and yep. you look at uh, them getting Hamilton, Pesci, and uh, there was one other Vatnin was injured. Pardon? Vatnin. Vatnin was out as well. Yes, but uh, you add that to Jacob Slavin, and their depth there is just incredible so maybe at that point they will be able to find a way around New York and contain Panarin and get out of that series but uh, I I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining back and forth sets yeah that like that one for me was the top matchup because of how things played out in the regular season series. And plus those are just, they're two exciting teams. Like Panarin mm-hmm. is in the heart trophy race. They've got like oodles of decisions to make. Like, can they land on the correct goalie in time to steal the series? Who do you, who do you roll with? Do you roll with Lundqvist who has had a million amazing moments for you in the playoffs? Or do you go with the guy who's probably easily their best goalie in Igor Shosturkin and then you know Georgiev is going to be in the mix as well if someone falters but it's just like can you find the right mix in order to steal this series I I haven't seen uh any reason not to start Shosturkin yet if he falters in game one then I could see you wanting to go with the stability uh of Lundqvist but game one I would uh, roll Shostyorkin without too much hesitation there. He's your yeah. best goalie and that's what you have to go with uh, yeah. at least Ama- to start. Am- amazing that we landed on that after only 12 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, what an impressive 12 games. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Calgary Winnipeg as also an exciting one and for me that one's mostly exciting because these teams are so flawed. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's 
part of the fun as well. You've got uh, Calgary, who who knows what they're going to do in net. They have uh, a few warts on forward and defense. Their power play struggled, and their top scorers struggled. Meanwhile, you have Winnipeg, who the average fan probably couldn't even name one of their defensemen. And they're uh, extremely shallow back there. They got carried to the playoffs mostly on the back of Connor Hellebuck. And if I'm not mistaken, there were a few fireworks between them through the regular season. So that was uh, also part of why I was looking forward to that series because I feel like it'll just be exactly what you look for in playoff hockey. There will be a lot of offense, a lot of uh, physicality, a lot of speed and a few mistakes for some uh, great and memorable moments. Yeah, I think that Calgary and Winnipeg only played one game this season, but it was an outdoor game. Huh. I did not have that in my head. (laughs) Worth looking into. (laughs) No doubt. Um, The other matchup that really stood out for me is Mm -hmm. um, – Oilers fans, so obviously this is going to jump out to me, but Oilers-Blackhawks, I think the over-under for goals per game is going to be six and a half or higher. So <laughs> I like it's just like, again, like flawed teams, you've got tons of star power, and there could just be goals for everyone. I think that it's, it's going to be entertaining, even if it's not good. It, it definitely will be, and I think there, there's going to be a little bit of a possible passing of the torch there with the Taves Kane uh, led Blackhawks that have been there, done that uh, possibly uh, moving aside for the McDavid Dreisaitl uh, duo to kind of be the next duo in the West to really reckon with. So that's, uh, that's something that I'm going to want to see is just how those four players can kind of match up against each other in a shorter series like that and who ends up taking control. Don't tease me with that kind of talk, Alex. (laughs) We both know that the Oilers can and very likely will fall on their face and not even make the playoffs next year. You've had the same thought though. You can't tell me you haven't. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay. <laughs> so uh we talked about most exciting round uh playing round matchups. Uh what is the least exciting one in your mind? I mean, I may be a Nashville fan, but somehow the Nashville Arizona one just looks like it's going to be disappointing. I I could see it just being a shut down slow uh kind of lacking the entertainment factor. Uh, so there's that side of it, and I could definitely see the Islanders-Florida matchup kind of just falling apart with Florida and Bobrovsky turning into or continuing the train wreck and the Islanders just shutting things down to a stalemate, basically. So those would be my two initial picks. I don't know if you have any similar thoughts. Yeah, I landed on Arizona-Nashville without question as the least entertaining one. I mean, like Nashville, awesome market, but guess what? We're not playing games in Nashville this year, or at least we aren't in front of their home crowd. So, mm-hmm. And like that team, they, they just don't have the same spark as they've had. No, they, they were disappointing years. all year. Like they, I don't think they know who or what they are um, at this point. 
And the Coyotes, like, they, there's no offense there. They Even after adding Kessel and Taylor Hall, they've got no offense. And, like, as excited as I am by the possibility of the schadenfreude of, of allowing Hall to play playoff games, but then ultimately winning the lottery again, <laughs> it, I, I'm, and I'm, not I'm even excited for by the team that. He's on. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. ultimately, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not excited to watch that team. So um, you mentioned the Islanders-Florida matchup. And at the very least, I'm excited to see Jonathan Huberdeau and Alexander Barkov in the playoffs. 100%. So there's that. Yeah. Um, are you a gambler at all? Who, who would you bet on to win the Cup? Ooh, I, I haven't given this much thought. I would say... Odds are it probably will be one of the teams that did get a buy, as we discussed earlier. Mm, I'd say out of the West, St. Louis is the only one that really intrigues me as being able to put things together to go all the way. Um, I just don't have that same faith in Colorado that everybody seems to. They don't have the depth that I would really look for. They have an excellent top line. They have some excellent pieces surrounding that. But I just don't see them kind of having those playoff hero players behind those top three, or at least top three on forward. On the Eastern Conference sides, there's a whole bunch of names that could happen. Uh, Boston's very realistic. I could see Philadelphia continuing on their run. But uh, it would also be very Toronto Maple Leafs just to win the cup in front of nobody. And if the Leafs win the cup and nobody's there to see it, does it really happen? (laughs) That would be an excellent uh, end to an already very strange season. Um, I think if I had to uh, put money down, if I was just trying to pick a winner, I would say St. Louis if I was trying to actually make some money on it based on uh, what the odds might be, I would put something down on Philadelphia. But Interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, I, think, I, I think you might enough. find that the odds for St. Louis and Philly aren't that far off. Like I think yeah. every team that uh, you mentioned has, has that first round buy. Mm-hmm. is sitting with like 18 to one or less for their cup odds. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you mentioned from the West, you mentioned St. Louis and Colorado as, as kind of the favorites and a stat that I, that I've been looking at uh, since like in the cap era uh, teams below a 52 and a half goals for percentage um, they don't win the cup except for the 2018 Washington Capitals. So every year you get between like five and 10 teams that are above that threshold. And this year there's eight and the Colorado Avalanche and St. Louis Blues are the only teams in the West above that threshold. doesn't mean that they're going to be the teams that make it to the finals, but they're mm-hmm. probably the two contenders in the East. And then you said, Oh, or in the West. And then you said, Oh, there's a whole bunch of awesome candidates in the East. And yeah, there are the Bruins, the Lightning, the Flyers, the Penguins, the Hurricanes and the Capitals are all all above that threshold. And most of those uh, are teams that have that buy. So 
yeah, there's there's definitely an Eastern Conference lean, um, and that almost like takes away some of the value because all these teams are are really highly favored. Um, the the value pick in there is Carolina, but they've got a mm-hmm. tough matchup and in the play-in round, and then they're going to have to go through a gauntlet likely. But they've they're getting a healthy defense back. And they did meet that goals for threshold and you can get them at 30 to one. That's actually what their preseason odds were as well. So I've got a huge bet on them at 30 to one to win the cup. And at this point, I'm not liking those odds, but uh, (laughs) it is what it is. I I did throw a few bucks on the Columbus blue jackets at 66 to one because it's some of the highest odds out there. And like you mentioned the schadenfreude of the Leafs winning the cup without anyone there, but also Mm -hmm. like the Leafs could just lose in five games to the blue jackets and not even make the playoffs, which would also be uh, some excellent schadenfreude. Um, And then like we've seen Columbus, they've got, uh, they've got some potential to go on a run. Like they've got a whole bunch of guys who've been hurt and could come back and then they were they've got that two-headed monster in net uh with with elvis and uh corpusalo they do they pulled the upset on tampa last year on goaltending and just solid team play they have the defensive depth or at least uh a few solid players there and uh they've got at least three forward lines that they can fully roll non-stop that uh can both put the puck in the net and play some solid defense. So uh, as far as uh, longer shot teams, they're definitely not a bad one to hitch your cart to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's 66 to one. I have to, I have to get a little sprinkle in there. If they win a couple of rounds, <laughs> then I can hedge. Like last yeah. year I had, uh, I think it was like 50 to one. I had the Hurricanes to win the cup. And then when they went to the conference finals against the Bruins, I was like, hedge that shit. And, uh, and ended up making back all the losses from the stupid bets that I made outside of that one. Oh, there you go. Would you say you usually come out uh, at least close to even or somewhat ahead year to year? Yeah, so I, I won't talk about the size of my bankroll but it okay. is not a professional amount. It is a very small amount. I bet within my means. And the amount that I put online 10 years ago when I started uh, online betting is the amount that I still have. Fair enough. It's, so you're getting it's, some... it's a fucking roller coaster. So like basically <laughs> my money is just like slowly being devalued by inflation, but it, right. it stays where it is. And you're getting some good entertainment value out of it. So I'm getting so much entertainment value. I love whining about losing bets. <laughs> Do you lose any this year just uh, because of the return to play format and uh, how everything's changed? You know, I didn't because the, the site that I bet on, they didn't release player props until like a day before the season or something like that. And usually mm-hmm. I do like eight trillion player props and like last year i made an absolute killing using my uh my fantasy projections 
and then this year they just like they didn't put them out until way too late and i didn't really see much of an edge so i didn't make any bets and as it turns out uh i don't know if i would have lost those bets or just been refunded or whatever it was but ultimately uh, irrelevant uh changing gears a little bit uh we also got some clarity on the uh the draft lottery well i say clarity but like do you understand it i i feel like i kind of understand it and that really doesn't in the end mean much uh i feel like there's a few things that are going to come up later that we are going to say oh that's what they meant or something's going to come out of left field and they're going to have to scramble to fix things. But uh, yeah, generally it seemed to make some sense. I'm not sure I agree with everything in there, but uh, yeah, they, the simple explanation uh, or the simple explanations I saw, I generally understood. I don't know if you want to go through what it uh, outlines or if you want me to try and explain it. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, basically, they're rolling, like, there's there's two phases, and we can jump into the second phase, because that's kind of a, like, break-in-case-of-emergency weird thing that they did, um, mm -hmm. because they don't know who spots 8 through 15 in the lottery are going to be, because, like, they're, they're, like, the initial lottery draw is the exact same lottery as last year. So it, it scales down from one to 15. If you finish dead last, the Red Wings, you've got the best odds at having one of your picks being drawn, right? And then and then Ottawa and Ottawa's San Jose pick as well. So um, they're gonna draw for the top three picks. And if, you know, it's one of the, if any of, or if all those picks are, chose our lottery drawn for teams that aren't playing in the play-in then we don't need a phase two right and statistically mm -hmm. more likely for that to happen but if any of those slots eight through 15 get picked then we go on to phase two and it's like a, a new it's like a redraw and any team that loses in the play-in has a one in eight chance of getting um a shot at whatever slot is in the top three there mm -hmm. and, the, and then everything rolls out from there so like very i don't know it, it seems weird to me that so like if you're edmonton or pittsburgh and you lose in round one or the play-in round then you've got potentially like if all three lottery spots the top three picks end up being going to teams unassigned teams then you've got a three and eight chance of having one of the top three picks and it's just weird that they wouldn't keep the same lottery odds going forward after the fact right like you've got the same lottery odds for the for the first phase but then not for the second phase i i just thought that was weird and ultimately like the reason that they went with the the second phase is because I don't think they thought that they could keep that secret for two or three months or however long it is. Like they wouldn't want it getting mm -hmm. out. The The 10th spot is the spot that gets it. And then like everyone doing the mental math, Oh, the 10th spot would go to this team if they lose and stuff like that. And like no team's going to tank 
their their playing matchup to get a top three pick like that's dumb yeah you 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 try to get a lottery pick because you want to make the playoffs and have a chance right well guess what you're in so you're not going to tank it so and like plus it's like like teams tank players don't right like we saw that year that buffalo was tanking to try to get mcdavid like they kept trading goalie after goalie after goalie because it's like they were they were trying to win and they're trying to get a contract to stay in the league. And they're like, well, you can't fucking do that on this team. So you're out of here. Yeah. And that's, so that's not going to happen. Like players aren't going to tank the play in round. Um, for me, it was like, like our whole criticism of the June draft and the, the draft lottery was because they didn't know what their playoff system was going to be. So how can you have a draft if you don't know what your playoff system is going to be? Well, now they know what it is. So like they could have gone ahead with it but I'm fine with, with pushing things into October for the draft and there's a chance for chaos with this lottery. So I'm okay with that too. Like I want to see the NHL logo pop up three times for that draft lottery. And then everyone be like, Oh shit, it's on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be very entertaining. It's going to fuck over Detroit and it's going to fuck over Ottawa if that happens. And like those teams suck, like they should have top picks. I'm not like, I don't know, like we, I think for the most part, we avoided tanking this year because the season got cut short. We didn't have meaningless games where, where again, like that Buffalo scenario where they're cheering against their own team to continue having good lottery odds. Like we didn't have embarrassing stuff like that. So in my mind, they could have just done the lottery for the bottom seven teams who don't have, have a taste of it, but Mm -hmm. this offers up chaos and ridiculousness and I'm excited to see it play out. Yeah, it'll be an entertaining uh, way forward, and I'm on board with it. I don't, uh, I don't have any issues with it. It'll be uh, definitely be very fun to see if at least one of those uh, top three picks end up ends up going to one of the teams that uh, will lose the play-in round, and that's going to add a whole extra layer of intrigue to watching those games and a possible second lottery at that point after. Uh, so, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board for it as well. It'll be, uh, be a good time. And have you been following, like, what's happening in other sports at all regarding their kind of return to play talks? Uh, much less than uh, on the hockey side of things. So, like, Major League Baseball it seems like they, instead of like focusing more on their format and what that's going to look like coming back, instead it seems like they've been diving into like the, the, the CBA stuff, the money, all that stuff, the stuff that you're going to fight over. And it's gone like public, like players are coming out on like all different form, like formats I didn't even know existed, like Twitch and shit like that. They've been coming out on that and like, like decrying the what what major league baseball is doing and and it's getting to the point where you're like oh shit they're gonna lose the season um whereas like the nhl has been like no let's focus on like the small stuff like the format that we can all kind of agree to because we all want to kind of come back and then the larger pieces the more complicated puzzle pieces that like as fans and as like analysts and stuff like that like we can't really digest that stuff nearly as as high level and like it's it's going to be hard to critique um 
if players ultimately don't feel like the money that's at stake is is worth the the huge health burden that they'd be taking on coming back so like i i think that ultimately like a, a small victory has been had with uh, with what the nhl has decided on and maybe that generates good momentum but it, it's almost like they picked out you know the tie that they're gonna wear but they still haven't figured out what uh, what the suit is gonna look like yeah i i don't think the nhl has messed up too badly yet and that's based on their track record that's uh doing pretty well for them i agree that they still haven't uh selected a lot of how they're going to move forward but uh to this point they haven't really made any egregious errors they don't have large public spats like you've seen uh with the baseball side of things and that's uh positive to this point so we'll see how things end up moving forward but uh yeah as you said to this point uh things aren't looking too bad on this end yeah i'm excited like so far it's only been positive news i know that we like but we're not going to be able to dive into the nitty-gritty details of like Mm -hmm. how many tests and how much it's going to cost and like people don't want to hear that shit anyway so I, i think we're done with that part of it we've we've got a format it's not perfect but uh i think i think we're satisfied with it and like ultimately we're going to be entertained as all hell by it right for sure okay so uh keeping keeping entertainment in mind um there's seven teams that aren't making the play-in round and i thought you know wouldn't it be interesting if you could try to make a team out of the remaining you know the seven lottery teams and like if you if you took the absolute best guys from all the the remaining lottery teams like they'd obviously be cup favorites like you'd be able to kind of stack your squad um but what if you had some rules like you had two teams so if i had a team and you alex you had a team and we had to build a roster with only so many entry-level contracts say we limited it to a max of three entry-level deals and we had to remain below the salary cap let's say 50 million because we're not going to draft a whole roster so you got to stay below a a 50 million cap and we're going to draft teams of six forwards four defense two goalies and you got to take a player from every single team just just to make it a little tougher and for simplicity's sake we're going to round to the nearest 0.1 million um, and and count only uh, only salary, not uh, not performance bonuses. What what do you say? Do you think uh, do you think that's the the kind of project you want to you want to kind of take on here? Yeah, it sounds like fun. Sounds like it's up my alley. Absolutely. So for the first pick in our uh, you know our our make believe lottery team draft, we're gonna flip a coin. Uh, do you want heads or tails? Uh, let's go tails. It is tails. Alex, you have the first pick. This is a lot of pressure. It is. I hope you crumble under it. We'll see. Is this going to be a snake style draft? I'm assuming. So I get one pick, you get two and then I get two. No, we're just going to go back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah, okay. we'll just go back and forth because, like, 
yeah, the snake, snake's only really valuable when you have multiple people, but two people, yeah, you just go back and forth. Okay. I would say with the first pick, I would have to go with the best player available. I'm going to ignore any salary concerns at this point and go with Jack Eichel. Interesting. Okay, so you've already absorbed 20% of your salary cap, but you have a number one centerman, and you've got a supremely motivated guy in Jack Eichel who has yet to make the playoffs in his career. He, he needs some meaningful games to play, so whatever games this create or make-believe team is going to be playing, he'll, uh, he'll have something to play for at this point. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm going to go with an interesting strategy here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of ignores a, a little bit of value, but to me, there's only one goaltender that I want out of this group, mm-hmm. and that's John Gibson. And so as much as you know, I, could, I could paper together a decent goaltending group, there's only mm-hmm. one goalie that I, that I want, and that's John Gibson. So uh, a bit like draft day, uh, John Gibson, no matter what, was uh, the thing that I wrote down for myself. And I'm taking him, number one. Or number two. Yeah. I, I was uh, a little worried he wouldn't make it back to my next pick. Uh, I am on board with that as well. He's really the only uh, higher tier goalie in the bottom set of teams that uh, we'd be picking from. So it's a good selection and it definitely takes a lot of uh, value away from my team. Uh, Going with that, I think having a forward and not having a goalie that's worth selecting with the next pick, I would go on defense and use up one of my entry-level contract uh, selections with Thomas Shabbat. Interesting. The, the strategic thing that I did, like ultimately by taking Gibson, you're just going to punt goalies until the very end, right? So now you can just kind of ride it out and build out the rest of your roster. That's Where, what I was planning. Yeah. So I, I have given you a little bit of an edge in building out um, your skaters, but also like my goalie's not going to let any goals in. So um so, some wins, some losses. Interesting that you went with Shabbat um, as your your you know your first rock on defense. But I, I can see why you went there. You know, as bad as Ottawa was this year, and and as much as this season was maybe a step back for him, like he's he's really good, um, like offensively explosive. But he's he's good enough both ways that there's some value there and like tying up having a guy on an entry level deal. There's a reason why we limited it because we would just go with too many of them and it'd be easy to go all stars and entry level deal guys. Um, if we didn't, so Shabbat, uh, a pretty darn good pick there. I'm also going to take my first, uh, entry level guy also from the Ottawa senators. I'm taking Brady Kachuk. That's a good pick. I am so excited to get Brady Kachuk into the playoffs, even if this is make-believe. <laughs> I, I would love to see him there as well. And if someday either him and his brother get to play on the same team or play a playoff round against each other, 
that is going to be magical. Can can they get onto the same team and then play a game against the LA Kings? I really hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, that would be the kind of TV that would be worth uh, fixing a couple of playoff brackets just to try and arrange. Yeah, I don't think the NHL is above doing that. It's definitely not. Definitely. Okay. Uh, at number five, who you got? I think I will continue to build on the back end. And I think I'm going to limit a lot of your uh, monetary flexibility with this one. And I'm going to go Rasmus Deleen. Yeah, I, I was worried that you would do that if I selected Brady Kachuk. But again, my draft day strategy, I told myself Brady Kachuk if I had the opportunity. And so mm -hmm. I went with that, but you know, you, you've, you've soaked up two of your entry level deals uh, already. And yep. you, you probably got the two best entry level deal defensemen. So there's that, but uh, ultimately I'm not, I'm not absolutely destroyed by that. Um, I'm going to select perhaps the best contract value that there is out there with uh, Dylan Larkin. Yep. He, he was the uh, next centerman on our, on my list, or at least probably the next forward as well after uh, Eichel and to Chuck. Uh, there's a few other value picks out there, but uh, he's definitely a great, uh, guy to have and he was alone on Detroit for the entire year at least most of it anything without uh, the couple of other injuries they had on forward but, yeah with, uh, with yeah uh, he's with Anthony Mantha getting hurt for much of the year that mm -hmm. um, that certainly made it it tough for him and and just because I said Mantha's name doesn't mean you have to go out and take him. not not quite yet not quite yet <laughs> But uh, that that was why I was hesitating to say it out loud. Anyway, it was just to well, it was lingering. It, out. it was yeah. lingering in the room like a like a bad fart, and someone had to address it. I appreciate you addressing it. Okay, we've addressed it. We've moved past it. Uh, you're up. Are you going to take another another Buffalo Saber? Uh, I don't think I can. I feel like <laughs> with the need to take somebody from every team. Uh, I'm going to have to grab, uh, just trying to plan out here a little bit with the teams. And I think my best way around this is to go with Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer. San Jose Sharks. I'll match your $6 million salary with Dylan Larkin and at least match the offense, maybe not the defense. But uh, I, I would be very happy having two heavy shooters uh, like Eichel and Meyer paired together. That would be fun. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of really good San Jose Sharks to pick from mm -hmm. and with, with some, you know, incredible value contracts. So, yeah, I, I don't mind what you did there with Timo Meyer. Um, I'm debating whether I want to dive into a really large contract or if I want to kind of diversify my stocks and uh, 
and grab someone off of a team that I haven't grabbed yet. Um, I really like the, uh, the contract value I could get out of a Sam Reinhardt at this stage. Interesting, interesting. There's definitely uh, a few Buffalo Sabres that uh, I had on my list and he was one of them. So I certainly understand uh, you going in that direction. I guess me having selected a few Buffalo Sabres already made it a little tighter in terms of who was around. So yeah, I could see that uh, lining up and making some sense for you. So that's uh, four each gone so far? Uh, yes, it is. So I have two defense and uh, no goalie, and you've got a goalie and no defense. Yes, yeah, uh, John uh, Gibson is my defense. John Gibson is your defense. <laughs> that is entirely true, and that's generally true for the Anaheim Ducks as well, it seems. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I have... Three teams covered so far. That means I still need LA, New Jersey, Detroit, and Anaheim. Okay. I'm not too worried about them. So I think we will get Detroit out of the way with Anthony Mantha. Yeah, I thought you might go there. Again, we addressed the fart, but now you're like, you're sniffing it. Oh, I thought I was opening the window to just get rid of it. No, you're right. You're right. That's that's the better analogy. <laughs> yeah, I, I was worried that if you took him, I'd be stuck with uh, some difficult decisions around making making sure I only had three entry-level contracts and still somebody from every team. So Yeah, I, I, I probably could have forced your hand a little bit more by taking Mantha instead of Reinhardt, so I, I have immediate regrets. If that was the case, though, I probably could have grabbed a Buffalo Sabre or two and uh, made you end up uh, lose some depth on your skaters. But Hey, I'm, I'm not above selecting Rasmus Ristolainen. I'll have you it, know. Is that uh, who you're going with? That is not who I'm going with, but had uh, desperate I got times. There. I got excited. <laughs> right? Oh, God, <laughs> our, our first huge mistake. Um, interesting. I'm not sure. I'm just going to take a look at how much salary you've expended to this point and see if you have room. For I that. think I've got... Uh, 21.1 if my napkin math is right yeah you are bang on i've got excel spreadsheets for this and the math checks out okay uh, I'm, I'm just uh not actually using a napkin but uh <laughs> basically the next thing above that right um yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some big money here. I'm gonna take the best defenseman in this draft, even if he's a little bit wobbled. I'm gonna take Eric Carlson. I can't fault you for that one. He's uh, he was a consideration for me, but I wasn't there quite yet, especially it's, having two defensemen already. It's so expensive, but I had to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, his uh, his contract is going to be interesting to watch play out over the next few years. Oh yeah, but I think I think San Jose they may not get full value from it, but they're going to do just fine. Like he even in a hobbled bad year for him, he was still one of the league's better defensemen. I, mm-hmm. I don't think he was top ten this year, but still, like he he's he's doing just fine for sure. So, I have about half of my roster left to pick. I have players from four different teams and two of my entry-level contracts done. So, I won't go down that route yet. I think uh, that's interesting. Hmm. This is taking some planning. It's feeling like a bit of a chess game. If I go here, you're just going to beat me there. But if I go there, you're going to beat me here. So what do we do? Let's at least not make a mistake anyway. So I would say I'm going to go grab a player whose contract I've liked for the last few years and he knocks off another team from my list. I'm going to go with Kyle Palmieri from the New Jersey Devils. Interesting. So I think I have maxed out my ability to kind of take on middle tier contracts if I want to add a star. So as much as Palmieri was like, he's probably the best guy to grab off of New Jersey. I don't think I could necessarily afford him and get all the stars into my lineup that I really wanted. So I'm not like hugely at, at a loss for you having uh, taken him, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like he is, he, I could have found a good fit for him, I think. Yeah, I think he's uh, definitely a good value player and fits a, need on a lot of teams he can play 200 feet of the ice and uh yeah it's tough to find a player like him that can score and kind of just be an overall good player for less than five million so i'm i'm happy with it and i know it kind of frees you up to grab a few of the uh entry-level contracts from new jersey but uh gotta make some sacrifices yeah, I'm I'm going to do exactly that and I'm going to grab Nico Heischer. Okay. Cuz I need that that 0.9 million on yep. my books and I need that's, a New Jersey Devil. That's big. Gosh, um, I've already spent almost 30 million. All right. Well, I'm gonna find a ma- find a way to make it work. Yeah. Uh, we have 12 players each, correct? Yes. So we're at this point halfway through? I would say so. I have two forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie remaining to pick. So yeah, we're halfway there, and I've already spent three-fifths of my money. That sounds about right. You're only <laughs> at half. You're, at half. You're, do- you're doing this smarter than I am, I feel like. Maybe. I, I'm leaving myself some options, but I used up my entry-level contracts early, and I 
feel like that's coming back to bite me because now I can only take one and I don't know which to take. Ah. So I'm going to hold off on using it for one more. And I'm also going to get an LA King out of the way. And I'm going to go with Cal Peterson as oh, my backup goalie. Oh, shoot. All right. I see what you're doing there. I, I like the point nine, and there's no entry-level contract attached to it. So that's my guy. I was hoping you wouldn't know that loophole existed <laughs> and that I would be able to uh, to kind of – hoop you with that one and save that one to the bitter end yeah playing in a cap league together we should know we're both above uh getting caught out like that yeah that's right you are you are the cap guy so you you snagged the guy the really cheap goaltender who is not on an entry-level deal and you snagged an la king who is supremely cheap so well done alex Tough to find on the Kings, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm going to royally fuck you in goal, though. Okay. And I'm going to throw all logic and common sense out the window, and I'm going to take Mackenzie Blackwood. Sounds like fun. So your team is going to have the two best goalies available, and I'm going to go with uh, whatever's left, but at least try and throw some skaters together. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, you're trying to build the Nashville Predators and I'm trying to build the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, I think my offense is a little bit better than the Nashville Predators, but um, you may prove me wrong. I I could say the same about the Oilers and my defense, but uh, (laughs) I, I like to think the comparison was at least close. Fair enough. Okay, so that leaves me with another pick, and if I grab a defenseman, you know you can just, no, we both need a few defensemen left. What am I at money-wise? Still pretty cheap. Yeah, 23.3 left. I can get a big guy later. So let's, let's take my duck and get the teams out of the way, and then I can uh, build the rest from there. But we're going to go with Ricard Raquel. Ooh, all right. How much is he running up again? Is it 3.8? 3.8 is what I have. Okay, I wasn't positive on that. Yeah, that's a nice value pick. He is uh, a favorite in cap leagues everywhere. And honestly, like, what happened to him this year? I thought he was going to be a lot better. I I think he was supposed to be a lot better. I think uh, a few Ducks were supposed to be a lot better, and they just never got off the ground Mm -hmm. or off the surface of the water, as it may be. Right. Uh, Hmm. So I have just under $20 million to spend. I need to fill my defense right now. All I have is Eric Carlson. And I've got one entry-level deal left. Got a couple of couple of options, but I haven't picked my LA King yet. And 
I could be hurting if I don't do that soon. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my last entry level deal. I'm batting around. I'm not sure where whether I want to take uh, Philip Peronic or Henry Yoki Haru. Not sure who people who I think is the better guy. Who people think is the better guy. I'm gonna go with Heronic. I think that he had more heavy lifting to do. His contracts just a touch uh, nicer, and that's that's who I'm going with. I, I think uh, Heronic was the guy I would have gone with over Yoki Haru. I like him uh, a fair bit more. Maybe not uh, to the point of calling him a top pair defenseman, but uh, he's he's definitely he was the next guy on my list of defenseman anyway in terms of value for the contract and everything so I, I like the pick okay now we both have two defensemen so you can't come at me saying that my defense is not up to standard anymore you're right you're right but uh yours is being paid 10 million more than mine yep that's true okay so I'm at the point of needing a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. You need two defensemen. Two defensemen. You are correct. You are correct. For some reason, I was thinking I only needed three. Tough to make two pairs of defensemen with only three. So, that being the case, and with you not mentioning another name when you were looking at uh, cheaper options I can probably leave him so do I want to get rid of an entry-level deal do I want to leave some money open for another star player decisions decisions I think I will take another one of those middle of the road contracts fill out a defenseman and you know what? Take another Buffalo Sabre. We're going to go with Colin Miller. Colin Miller. Interesting. Are you going to pair him with Rasmus Dahlin? It seems to work for Team Canada when they pull players together that don't often uh, play shifted together, but uh, they at least play on the same team for the familiarity. So, yeah, I think I'll probably try that out. Yeah, do you think uh, you might want to let the uh, Sabres coaching staff know that that could work out? Can't hurt any more than where they were this season. Mm -hmm. And what did you have Colin Miller down for? 3.7 million again? 3.7. Okay, perfect. Well, that leaves you with 16, just under 16, to fill out three spots. So you've got room for a superstar. I can get creative. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take one of the superstars off the board, and okay. I am going to take. No. I should be more conservative than that. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? I need to be smarter with my decisions, and not uh, not paint myself into a corner here. Uh, I really like, do I have, you know what? To hell with it. Anze Kopitar, superstar. Ah, I was hoping he would be the one you would leave. Yeah. 
can't do that. Had to take him. Half half of my remaining cap there, ten million off the books. I've got nine point one left, but it's it's going to be worth it. I've got a guy with two cups. Yeah, it looks like a good fit. In that case, that frees me up to put a few different players together. And I don't think you're taking him. You have two goalies, so I'm pretty sure you're not taking him. Which means I have to decide between which San Jose Shark I would like on forward. You've got some options. There are a bunch of middle-of-the-road type priced players. Yeah, it's not the middle of the road, guys, I'm looking at. I'm oh. planning on spending the money elsewhere for the other players. So you're, looking, you're looking at Sorensen, aren't you? That's the wrong fart in the room. <laughs> I, ah, I want to take one player, but I also want to have two full lines, so I want to have two centers. And I'm not sure how I feel about going with five wingers in a center versus just taking the better player. You know what? One of them can play center. They played center when they were a peewee or something. We're going with uh, Kevin LeBanc. Aha. There it is. Okay. You took, uh, you took the best value off the board. Or at least he was supposed to be the best value and then just ended up flopping to a whatever it was, 30-odd point season. Right. Extremely disappointing. But mm. uh, I, I have faith that the talent is there and he can show it when the games actually mean something. Now, you've got 15 million left with mm. a goalie spot to fill and no good goalies to fill it with and mm. one more defense slot. So you've only got two spots and you know you're saving money on whoever your goalie is. So you're basically taking a superstar defenseman knowing that I can't afford to take one. but So you took LeBanc just to screw me and not let me take him. Maybe. Okay. I appreciate the, uh, the vindictiveness with that selection. It's just balancing out what you did with Gibson. So I'd say it's decent asset management. Yeah, turnabout is fair play as it turns out. Um, I want to take guy who he had a bit of a down year. Um, the whole team did, but notably one of the absolute, uh, the best defensive defensemen in the game in Hampus Lindholm. Interesting. He was on my list and I was hoping I wouldn't have to pick him because I feel like for what he brings to the table, he's just a touch overpaid. But uh, yeah, he's he's a solid pick, and he rounds out uh, Carlson and Heronic well, I would say. Oh yeah, like I'm I'm pairing him with Eric Carlson. I can't remember if that's ever been an Olympic team pairing or not, but it's what I'm doing. It could and have It's been. going to be awesome. Yeah, and that in front of uh, John Gibson actually makes your defense somewhat respectable. Yeah, how did that happen? I think because there's only two of us picking teams. So Yeah, fair enough. So with a defenseman and a goalie left, 
I might as well use up some money. And looking at things now, I might have made one or two picks slightly differently, but uh, that's okay. We might as well go for the upside now and take Brent Burns. Brent Burns. Okay, I wasn't sure whether you were going to go Doughty or Burns. Yeah, I I feel like Doughty's a little farther down the decline than Burns is, but who knows? Next season could be, prove me wrong, but uh, I don't know. I think personal preference, I just like Burns a little bit better. Yeah, I was just thinking in terms of, you know, um, of your salary, it, like your how how you're spending your money, um, or sorry, how you're deploying your players. Like you've got Darlene and Miller, who are probably more offensively inclined, and even Shabbat, you might say he's offensively inclined as well. And mm-hmm. you had Burns, who's basically a rover uh, to that mix. I thought maybe you'd go for a more defensively stout guy like Doty. You've got the money to do it. I had the money to do it. I think uh, at this point, it's without a real goaltender either. I think we're just going for the full-on fire wagon hockey and trying to outscore the other team seven to six, ten to eight. Yeah, just what we do in uh, it's what we do in my summer league. So it seems to work there. Yeah, just just hope that the puck never gets into your zone, so you never have to break it out. That's that's the plan. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've got two picks left and you've filled all of your forward and defense slots. So it doesn't matter what order I go in, I'm getting whomever I want to fill these slots. It's just a matter of me having the money to be able to do it. And based on the list that I've put together, I essentially cannot field a roster if I take any of the defensemen on my list but uh, Matt Roy because I've already used up my entry-level deals and I can't use Henry Yokiharyu. So I'm taking Matt Roy and his uh, non-entry-level 0.7 of a million dollar contract. That's a good pick. He wasn't as high on my list, but uh, for the cost and to finish out the LA Kings, I can't uh, I can't blame you on the pick. He did well without uh, too much else in terms of help on the blue line there in LA. So he's uh, he's a bit of an undervalued undervalued player there, I would say. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy to have the uh, second pairing making 1.4 million combined <laughs> in uh, Matt Roy and and Philip Peronic and. You know, Heronic can take a few more chances offensively and lean on Roy to to kind of be the stay-at-home guy. Um, mm-hmm. You you hooped me by taking uh, Cal Peterson, so uh, I had to take a, a cheap guy like Matt Roy. Yeah, I, I had two LA Kings on my list, and they were Peterson and Iafalo in terms of value contracts, and I was hoping to not get stuck with Iafalo. So yeah, I, I didn't want any. I didn't want any part of I follow also, which is why I went with Roy. Yeah, that's, that's a fair pick. So to round out the goalies, I might as well go for the option out of the remaining guys who has won a cup and complete the LA tandem with Jonathan Quick, 
who knows, we may end up still rolling with uh, Cal Peterson as our starter. He had some solid numbers this year, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, both of them in L.A. are used to being left out by uh, a team in front of them that doesn't play too much defense. So we'll see how it goes. Jonathan Quick, he was not even on my list whatsoever. I can't believe that pick. I'm completely staggered. I think he is completely cooked. Oh, this is I, wonderful. I, this is a, <laughs> what a wonderful turn this draft has taken. It, it took till the very end, but uh, I I don't even know what his cap hit is. I know it's in and around the the five six million dollar range. I know you've got enough to afford him. I just wow. Five point eight. Went there. Five point eight. You think he's worth even point eight of that? Uh, maybe not anymore. But uh, I figured the familiarity with Cal Peterson and he can be a backup goalie. It'll be fine. Yeah, fair enough. I, I considered uh, Bernier as well, but uh, I, I just couldn't bring myself to select a Detroit goalie. And yep. the only other one I had on my list was Linus Allmark. And I felt like I had enough sabers already. And it just seemed right to pair the LA tandem together. Well, this is good. I'm glad that you taking Peterson led to me getting vindictive and taking Blackwood and it ultimately leading to you taking Jonathan Quick. <laughs> Okay, uh, to round this out, uh, my last pick, I've got 3.2 million left. I could, you know, try to do the thing that you do when you're building uh, DraftKings lineup or whatever and try to fill out all, like, all my millions. Um, I'm not going to do that. I'm torn between two different picks here. Do I want uh, the value pick of Tyler Bertuzzi, who brings a whole bunch of sandpaper and it's going to be really awesome in the playoffs? Or do I get myself an old guy without a cup and take Joe Thornton? And I'm going to take Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton was the other guy I debated along with uh, Kevin LeBanc. So I, I'm happy to see him get selected. Uh, I think he should have been traded at the deadline, and I'm sad that he didn't. But uh, glad he's at least getting some recognition here. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, maybe a bit of a sentimental pick, but we're, we're righting a wrong with our fake rosters here and getting him onto a playoff team. So, Alex, who do you think has the better team here, uh, you or me? Uh, you ended up with, I have your six forwards, I have three of your four defense listed here. Matt Roy was the other one, right? Okay. Yeah. I... I think I like if I could go back and be a little less conservative off the bat, I think I would have ended up with Kopitar instead of Raquel and Jacob Larson as my Anaheim guy instead of Colin Miller. But, uh, and at that point I would have been a lot happier with my team, but with the way things are, I think I like my forward group better. And the value on defense for my side, I prefer. But just the goaltending, I think, sways it uh, that if we were actually to line up the two teams and play against each other, I'd probably put uh, money down on yours. 
Yeah, I love my team so much more than yours. I think that, you know, you might score a lot of goals, but we're going to light you up for eight or nine every game. Yeah, it's it's tough to argue against that. And John Gibson's going to stand on his head. And if he doesn't, I've got... Uh, I've got some amazing uh, value in, in my backup in that. So, yeah, I, I, how do you think my team would do against some of the, the NHL teams that, uh, that have made the play-in round? Like, could they beat Minnesota? I, I think most teams could beat Minnesota. I, I'm not a big Minnesota fan. Fair enough. They're very stout defensively. I, I agree, but it just doesn't seem to come together. And yep. it's one thing to be stout defensively, but uh, I also have very little faith in Devin Dubnik and Alex Delock at this point. And aside from Kevin Fiala on forward, they don't really have too much there. And it's tough to win with just defensemen. So... I, I think your squad, assuming some average NHL depth to fill out the rest of the lineup, I'd say you could, would definitely uh, be a favorite over Minnesota and maybe over a couple of the other teams, uh, Arizona and Montreal. Put them up against a Carolina, Toronto uh, kind of thing, maybe... I'd say you're still the underdog, but uh, line them up against uh, Colorado and, or sorry, not Colorado, Calgary. And I would be very interested to see what happens in that series. I could uh, see it going either way. I I think what I heard you just say was that my team would win the cup. You did a fantastic job, Steve. That's exactly what I said. Yes. All right. Uh, Alex, this was a tremendous amount of fun. Thank you for patiently going through this process with me uh do you have anything to plug uh i just had the every two months i put out a salary cap rankings list uh on dauber hockey and that just came out uh on the 25th so four days ago as we're recording on the 29th now i'm not sure when this is coming out but uh, yeah, for anybody in salary cap leagues, that's a pretty interesting read. If I do say so myself, I might be a little biased there, but uh, top 200 players to own and it's balanced value wise for the lower contracts, but still not just loading up on the Matt Roy's and uh, the guys like that who won't win you a championship just by loading up a full team of them you still have to spend some money so I feel like uh, it's an effort to try and balance production versus cap hit and uh, yeah it's been a work in progress over the last number of months maybe a year year and a half to this point and check it out uh, for anybody that's in cap leagues that's all I would have to plug at this point though Right on. Yeah, we'll make sure we check that out at dauberhockey.com and we can follow you on Twitter at Alex D. McLean. Uh, Alex, once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Steve.